Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, no. What's the matter? Well, it's almost the end of 2017, and I look back on it, and... There's nothing but hate and broken dreams. Well, what do you expect? That's, that's real life, isn't it? Yeah, but I wanted to achieve something. Well, you still can by following at Her Film Project on Twitter or going to the website herfilmproject.com. You can support people who unheard voices in the film industry. What do you mean, like aliens and people made out of ice? Yeah, all of those sort of people. They're all in that category. Just follow at her film project. Why should I? Because I stopped sponsoring the show. I need it for the cinema tickets. And also, more importantly, it's a worthwhile course. All right, now get on with 2018. It's the time for this. Hello. Welcome, listeners. It is the end of the year. It's, It's... a um, slightly pre-recorded podcast because I've got Christmas and a life to enjoy and also I hope that you're enjoying yours. What are we going to talk about this week? We are going to go through the top 10 films in our opinion of the year. My guest is none other than my great friend Beth Ainsley. Hello Beth. Hello Murray. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Um, And we have gone through and picked out of ten favourite films. It's quite difficult when you make a list because you think, I don't really trust my own opinion. It's enjoyable, but it's difficult. And 11 and 12 are extra tricky. But there's not. it's a top ten, it's not 11 and 12. That's my problem. I don't want you to do any of that, can I have any extra ones? I'm because not, no, no. You sound like you were going to say, can I, well, 11 and 12, that's like not... A ha- special mention for... No special mentions, nope. because these people's time... It's valuable. And the people who listen to this podcast are businessmen on their way to work and they listen to this to get themselves in the mood for financial wheelings and dealings. And then they can talk to all their friends and impress them about how much they know. No, the opposite. They listen to this and they think, "Mm, well, those are things I won't say out loud again. (laughs) And by taking those things out of the equation, (laughs) then they know that they will sound more, uh, more sensical. Do you know that was a word? Sensical? I just want to shout all the rude words that I know. You can do it. Go on. It's the end of the year. Get them out of the system. Fucking bum. Well, I'm, I'm going to bleep one of those words. Okay. I mean, the C word. 
it's not really I think it's lost its power from what it was I used to be really offended by it 10 years ago and everyone says did it. you? Uh, when it first came out I thought oh, when it bit. first came out I was, when they I first was, released it when they first released it when I was you know going to church and stuff like that uh-huh. and I was uh, how old were you? 10 years ago I mean I was 31 but I had the emotional level of a 12 year old I was going to use another word I mean I did use another word <laughs> and I had to cut it out because Beth said to me I can't use that word when you asked I said Maybe not. That's a little little a dip into the ocean behind the scenes of the horrors that take place. The wizard's curtain. The wizard's curtain. Um, right, so what's happening is we're going... I've completely lost my train of thought. We're going to go for a top ten because it's more exciting if you just go down in order rather than just do a list. We're going to go down in order like the charts. Genuinely excited to I see can't what's say on the list. Top ten without hearing that whole um, uh, top of the pops. Uh, that one. Not the one after. Oh. Okay. Um, that one. What was that? I just don't know. The one after I the. I don't know who you are. You're forty-one years old. I can't. I'll come off it, mate. <laughs> Number ten. Number ten. What? Short slide go first. Yeah, go for it. I debated between two films. And I gave this film a very high mark when it first was released, which was Baby Driver. I really loved it, and it has... That's the problem with doing instant film review podcasts, is certain films are stayers, and other ones are great... Leavers. Great, great leavers. And Baby Driver is literally having a sunny delight, concentrated sunny delight, where... You enjoy it instantly, and then at the end of it, you realise it was Absolute quite nonsense. superficial and miscast. But I think it's very good. So almost got in there, but I couldn't ignore Blade Runner 2049. Okay, nice. Because I think it's so difficult to do a sequel. Ron Gosling is in it. The bits I loved about it, the, my favourite bits that stay with me, were the computer romance Mm-hmm. between him and his computerised girlfriend, Joy, yeah. Joy. And I love the detail of... That sex scene. No, Peter and the Wolf playing as his, when she came... Oh. I love Peter and the Wolf. And the fact that it was a really nice moment. And the fact that robots in the future will be able to love each, love each other. So you could come back from work and potentially find your TV getting off with the light switch (laughs) that's what will happen in the future (laughs) and that was the point of the film what I'm saying is your electrical appliances will procreate (laughs) and you will have to clean up can I just say they did that in Red Dwarf a long time ago oh did they electrical appliances no no I don't mean you I'm just saying they're now cribbing off Red Dwarf what electrical appliances procreating (laughs) Yeah, of like sentience and and sexuality. So was it a TV girl from the light switch? Yeah, it was that. That that what it was? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. No, I wasn't saying you were thieving it. I was no, saying Blade Runner was thieving it. I mean, it. no ideas, no ideas. Are original. Uh, yeah. What's your number ten, Beth? Well, I think this is going to be on your list as well, Merrick Clarewood. I mm-hmm. I put L. Are you on it? Is it on it? Well, we'll see where that comes. That's your number 10. Yeah, because I didn't know how to order these particularly, but Elle is definitely in the the top 10. I think very hard 
think the top three or four are easier and then the rest is yeah, quite a good films. I've sort of smashed them all down there. But I did love it and it did it has stayed with me and it, it is an incredible experience, a very visceral experience. I, I really was into it. I think Elle is one of the most interesting characters on screen. Yeah. I'm t- totally fascinating and if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, it's bullshit. She will definitely not get nominated for an Oscar. That's not how they But she do it. should be. She absolutely should. It was so brave what she does. Oh. And I think there's so many... What I loved about Elle... Go on, you talk about it first. No, no, second. go on. I think it's great that it was not... Every time... It's quite a difficult thing to talk about. You talk about... You classify things on there. So there's, you know, really horrific sort of rape scenes and there's different scenes. And every time in the press there's a murder or a story, they're all black and white. They're all... There's no, um, and it, it just shows this all this complexity is going into it, and especially when it comes to sex, which is quite, it, it, it's such a mucky, isn't it? It's mucky, complicated, <laughs> disgusting. But and I like the way the film was really honest about it, yeah. And it deals with real taboo issues, which makes you question them, and and. And she has a sexuality. She's a middle-aged woman with a sexuality, which I love watching because you get to a certain age and you, you're just not allowed to exist. And so she was there and it was really complicated and she was an absolutely brilliant protagonist. I just, yeah, I loved it. Right from the start, you think, what an ama- what a great in. individual oh. character. But people are like that. Nowadays, yeah. it's just middle-aged women are the bland mothers... Or you know, literally, who have had their all their sex organs removed and are just there to be the sort of foil for the comedy husbands. I'm generalising, but that seems too many of those parts. But it was Rolling really refreshing. The eyes. Yeah, yeah, a steely performance. She was phenomenal. Um, what... And I love Paul Verhoeven generally. I just think he makes completely original films, and he has to do it outside the Hollywood system because he's so subversive. I also love Starship Troopers and Starship Trooper, and he made a brilliant film which not many people saw called Black Book. I love that film. Did you? I yeah. love that film. Nobody's ever it's really seen great. it. Really great. I watched it with I'm my so mum. It's pleased. quite erotic. It is quite erotic. She's got her tits out all the time. Um, it's for that actress from Game of Thrones. Let's get this straight. I do not want to watch saucy films with my mum. I mean, the worst, the worst experience I ever had was with my mum saying. Oh, there's a thriller out. It's called. I was had glandular fever around that time, and there's a thriller out. It's called Basic Instinct. So we watched it. We watched the start of it, where I think Janet was named Jean Triplehorn banging the guy, and I was thinking, I don't know what to do because I'm still in my teenage, and I'm watching what is essentially a porn film with my mum. And I said, I don't think it's a suitable deal. I went, no, so relieved. It was almost as bad as the time my dog spunked up over the coffee table during Antiques Roadshow. One of the worst moments ever. Anyway, it's not about that. It, oh. This is about uh, oh, top tens. <laughs> what is your number nine, please? I think I just went. Did you? Yeah, you'll go. I did L. I was going to give you two goes. Oh, okay. We won't do that. I'll do not my number nine. What's your number nine? I, I watched this again with my parents recently. Uh-huh. It's La La Land. The start I hated, but it's well produced. Ryan Gosling is brilliant in it. It's so slick. Uh, Emma Stone has a touch of Nicole Kidman about her to me in that I always feel as though she's got one hand on 
reaching for the Oscar award. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That um, that scene she did, the audition scene. Yeah, I just think... She wants it. But there's something... So she's doing really good acting. Everyone must have seen the scene when she goes in and she's a struggling actress and she has to audition for these roles. Or oh, the other, the main audition scenes just later on. The one where she cries and then sings. Oh, yeah. I just Very Anne Hathaway. 10% of it makes me... Is her loving the fact she's good at acting, is it? Is that just me reading into it? No, not at all. I, I do really like Emma Stone, don't get me wrong. She's great and she's funny, but I, I can see her always being Emma Stone. I Emma, prefer her Emma. to Anne Hathaway. Wink, wink, I'm Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> I think you get that thing where you're basically the biggest thing in the world. Me personally? Yeah, one. One imagines <laughs> that it it's... How can you not be aware of everything you're doing? Mm. It must be a director's job to beat it out of you. Break them down. Make everyone cry and have no self-worth. <laughs> um, so you're not a big fan of La La Land? Not a big fan, no. Explain it, please. Deeply underwhelming. Huge fan of Whiplash. Mm-hmm. totally on board with the concept behind it and then just found it to be such a pedestrian bland love story that did have moments where I got into the, the singing and the dancing but as a plot I just thought it was just so boring and I really just felt oh, it's a, such a cliche to say but she was totally defined by her man who wanted to come and save her and show her what good cinema was and then I just didn't buy into that romance at all so you're saying and I do love Ryan Gosling I'm I'm sexist because I like La La Land I'm going to count the times that you're sexist from the films that you pick uh oh well it's still my number nine I like the soundtrack and also Ryan oh, Gosling is, like my boy, is my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling's good. I've written Ryan Gosling down. I'm pinned there. I don't know why. <laughs> must, must give him a call later on to congratulate him. <laughs> what is your number nine, please? My number nine is Icarus. I'm not seeing this, but I heard about it. I was recommended this by several viewers. Documentary, right? Yeah, documentary on Netflix. Really... Very interesting documentary. You know that idea when, a bit like Capturing the Freedmans, which I love mm-hmm. as a documentary. You know pedo, you, pedo film. Pedo. You start telling one story and you start making a documentary about it and then it becomes something completely different. It completely spins off into something else. So you think you're watching a documentary about this guy who is trying to dope him way, his way into becoming a, a really good cyclist. And he's a really good cyclist anyway, but he wants to become like the high end of amateur. And that fails. It goes horribly wrong. But the guy he gets to help him do the doping takes him down this like rabbit hole of fascinating, fascinating uh, politics, basically, into Russia. And you know they're out of the Olympics now, I'm the sure. Russian people no longer have a gold medal. <laughs> And they are called the... They, they can enter... The weird they, country, weird country of no name, with <laughs> yeah. strange pink and grey kit no one wants to wear. Yeah. We are the only people who do not take drugs in Russia. <laughs> and it's such a great story, and it's Edge of the Sea stuff, and I would really... You don't have to be into cycling. Absolutely not. Who's into cycling? Weird middle-aged men <laughs> who like up in the mornings and wearing spandex. Mammals. Perverse. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, the other thing I was going to liken it to, there's a Lance Armstrong documentary that starts out the same way, where he goes to make this Lance Armstrong I think I've seen Alex that. Alex brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. really brilliant. So he starts out making this love letter to Lance Armstrong, but then it becomes about him being an arsehole. Um, and so Icarus, I definitely recommend. I'm writing it down. Top tip. Um, yeah, it's the only documentary I've got on my top ten. Which, Is it now? Yes, I'm sorry about that. Um, well, let's go down to number eight. My number eight is L, which we've already spoken about. Whoa. I think I gave it seven originally, mm. but it stayed with me so much that I would like to watch it again. So we talked about eight, so that's my number eight. What's yours? My number eight is Get Out. Ah. Did you like that? It didn't make my top ten. Uh-huh. I thought it was very good, though. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the roller coaster that it was. I think it felt to me like it was a political statement, first of all, and turned into a standard uh, horror, low-rent horror. I totally agree. That thing that sort of happens at the end, I wasn't so much into, but I did feel constantly... I didn't know where it was going, and I loved where it was taking me and how it was doing it and what it was trying to say so I sort of just felt in terms of it being that massive hit that came out of nowhere I just I just yeah really good I think it was one of the uh, I think it was probably the best trailer Mm. of the year so I saw the trailer and I thought oh this is going to be brilliant if it's what I imagined it and I felt it almost pulled that's the problem with trailers. If you're at all imaginative and not saying, oh, I, I, I think you imagine what the film's going to be like, you set your expectations by that trailer. And if it's a sort of, uh, they tend to be a lot of misleading trailers. Yeah, or they tell you everything. Yes. It's one or the other. Uh, yeah. I think uh, occasionally uh, I'm underwhelmed. I love it when I'm overwhelmed and the trailer's rubbish. But I, like Paddington, I saw a trailer for, uh, that, that was one when I thought the trailer looked rubbish, but the film was good. But um, it's interesting now that people often talk about the film in relation to the trailer, isn't it? You know, like your experience is so cemented by the fact that oh, I watched that and I thought this, and then this happened, and I, I don't think they should. I can't escape them now because no. if you go to cinema regularly, yeah. you have to unless you go and watch a kids' film, so all the trailers are just cartoon yeah, shit, yeah. and you or get, horror, and it's all horror. Yeah, yeah, you get you see the trailers, bullshit. Here is my number seven. <laughs> my Life as a Courgette. Oh, cool. It's only 60 minutes long. I think part of the reason it's on the list is because it's 60 minutes long. <laughs> I think they should redefine the timings for films and adjust the price accordingly. There should be one-hour films with less trailers, so five minutes worth of trailers. I think nowadays... They should even show shorts. So I was thinking like the other day, when you're stuck in London, that's always very London-centric, and you think, oh shit, I've got two hours to kill, and I might want to go and see a film, but I can't because I don't know where the trailers are. If they were just, all oh, right, we're showing a short half-an-hour film, then um, that would be that would be fine. You could just go in, do that, and then go for a, a, a meeting later on. Perfecto. It would be perfecto. I mean, it sounds quite. It sounds like a, like a boring statement, but uh, I think what I'm making could critically change the film industry and allow 
makers of shorts to become professional cinematographers in their own right. Why don't you sign a petition online? Stop um, doing it. What do you mean about that for a name? And like a lot of things on this podcast, <laughs> I have not thought this through. I came with the idea, and I'm the sort of person who needs to probably ingest it for a half an hour and then put it through some sort of machine which yeah. makes it sensical. Where's that word again? And then, and then I would will um, what's the word? Make it come out of my mouth. But my life on the courgette. So my life as a courgette is a French animation about a boy called Courgette, which is really weird. I mean, this is, this is a, one of the shittest titles of the, of the year, because you think this is a film about a Courgette. It's nothing to do with Courgettes. I mean, a lot of people who love Courgettes think, finally, my, my need for vegetable-based drama is satiated. But no, it's not. It's a film about a boy who's, um, uh, whose uh, mum is an alcoholic, I think, and she dies, and he gets sent to a foster home. And it's about his relationship with his children at the foster home and the, he, the a police officer who sends him there. It's very charming and it has it has stayed with me. So, well done, French animators. That has got my number seven spot. Can I say something to you about the short film thing? What, my really great point I made? There is a place uh, at the BFI called what? the Mediatek. And you can go in, so it's Waterloo, obviously, but not... Not so Why did you not tell me about this? What happens then? Because you were talking about your film. I didn't want to interrupt you. You must have thought, hurry up, hurry up. You I was waiting for get you to, to the take point. breath, but it didn't happen. Oh, God. Uh, so you can go in and watch anything, and they have this incredible database. Basically, the whole archive is on there. So you can watch films or TV shows from 40 years ago. I went and watched the Frost-Nixon interviews, the actual interviews. So they were just doing this season, and I thought, yeah, that sounds like interesting. Actually, it was quite dull. Uh, but why not? Do a bit of research. Go in for half an hour. Watch an old play for the day. So what happens? Is it, is it a computer where you go and sit or a room? Yeah, they have earphones, comfy seats and little monitors. And they've got little one-person pods and two-person pods. And you beep, 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 beep. And then off you go. It's really good. Wow. It. So if and you're in you, Waterloo, you can go. So, so say I wanted to watch um, Condor Man. Yes. I could go there with a friend. Yes. And then we could would we have our own headphones and sit in the yeah, pod. Yeah, you plug in a headphone each. This is a brilliant idea. And how much do they charge by the hour? Zero pounds. What the fuck? It's open all day. It's great. Media. Tech. You have to be a member of the BFI? Nope. So who gets the money for the film then? No, no one. It, it's just, it's like watching a YouTube it's n- it's nothing. It's free. It's just it's the archive. The archive. The archive. The archive. That wasn't even a robot voice. That was me just. The archive. Can you do a robot voice? The archive. It's a bit eighties. The archive. Why not email in your <laughs> own um, archive robot voice? And at the same time. Tell us what your top tens are of the year. Do this by writing the numbers 10 to 1 and the films next to them. <laughs> Go to... Dear, oh, no. Filmfandango.co.uk or filmfandango.com. You'll find it. Click on contact, whatever the relevant button is. Write in... Tell us your top 10 films or your favourite film of the year. 
Also, send us your opinions about things and letters to write in, whether you think Marek's short idea is good. Also, if you'd like to donate to help this podcast, we would be very grateful. I mean, we, I say we, I'm, it's just me. I would be, it's a lot begging, isn't it? Can you spare any change, please? It would be nice. If you couldn't donate, I'd be very grateful. Send, click on the donate button. All right, I've had enough of that business. Right, let's get back to your number seven. Disaster Artist. You've seen it? Yeah. I've not seen it yet. I thought it only just been released. Yeah, it's out, yeah. So I have never seen the original. Can you explain a bit about what this is? So the Disaster Artist is uh, directed by James Franco, who also stars in the film, and he is. It's about the making. He directed it. Yeah, about the making of the Room, which is one of the. It's the Citizen Kane of bad movies, and um, it's made by a guy called Tommy Wiseau, and it's a absolutely atrocious but gloriously bad film have you been to see it at the Prince Charles I have yeah. yeah they show it they show it there almost once a month and Tommy Wiseau also comes around all the time like it's basically his life's work now to show the room uh, and James Franco is making the story of the making of the room and it's really good and I, his brother's in it as well yeah Dave Franco is in it playing Greg Sistero I think his name is or Sistero. is it shot for shot the same as the room what they do they do show you scenes from the room and they are shot for shot and it's done meticulously but it's much more about male friendship and it's not an out and out comedy it's it's more serious than that but it is also a love letter to this guy who is quite unusual it's it's not dissimilar to Brigsby Bear actually that it's about sort of uh, you know making things and just wanting like success wanting Having goals, having dreams—it's it's really a very lovely film. Do you need to watch the room before you go and see it, or should you watch it afterwards, or does it ruin the room? Definitely going to be better if you've seen the room, just because there are lots of jokes in there and references, uh, and also I think just to engage with the story, it's better if you have, because it's such an unusual film, and also they've done such a great job casting all the actors from the room, so casting them with people that you would recognise and that is definitely part of the pleasure but it's just a really funny and warm film that's out around now isn't it it's out around now it's been quite successful in this country I think I'm going to write that down I think it might have done well in the Golden Globes nominations does he get money then Tommy he'll probably get money from the room being seen more Mm. because of people thinking I must watch the room it's based on the co-stars book so Dave Franco's character in The Disaster Artist is based on his book. Okay. Well, um, that sounds like a good one, all right. I would, yeah. It's a re- Also, unlike a lot of my films, it's a very enjoyable film. It's a very entertaining, enjoyable film. And what are the ones, serious ones? They're all death. Well, life's pretty serious, Beth. Um, okay, my number six, this is going fast, isn't it? You still listening? I hope so. Is The Handmaiden, which was um, is the adaptation of the Sarah Waters book, which is possibly one of my favourite books of all time, which is called Fingersmith, which is a um, sort of lesbian romance drama. I mean, it's really weird how my favourite film was a, 
uh, lesbian romances. Lesbian. Blue is warmest colour. Ah. Maybe I am. Uh, it's probably because I'm such a liberal, sort of um, ahead of my time. Sort of um, what's the word? It must be that pioneer. Pioneer. Progressive. Yeah. Progressive. So the handmaiden. I mean, the book is so brilliant, you couldn't mess this up. And it's a sort of Japanese... Uh, uh, the original book set in, um, in sort of around 1830 or 40 or something like that. Um, and this is a, a, a Japanese retelling of it. It's beautiful. It's directed by Chanwook Park. I don't know why I said that, because I have no idea what else he's done. Oh, um, he is really good. You should definitely check him out. Is he? Yeah, he's amazing. What's Chanwook Park done? Oh, you're an old boy. Yeah, he's astonishingly brilliant. I would definitely recommend I've him. only seen Old Boy once a long time ago, so I don't know if I trust my previous opinion of it. It's it's really good. It is really good. Stoker is also brilliant. First. Oh, I saw Stoker, and I was not that impressed with it. Really? Yeah. I was underwhelmed by Stoker. Oh, it got me. It really got me. Hmm. He's just so unusual as a filmmaker. He's Korean. Well, yes, the hand. Yes, this is a sort of Japanese Korean film, sort of both. It's set in Japan. You were totally right. Yeah, um, but it misses. This is the classic problem of me reading a book, and the book has three acts, and yet the film is two acts. So I felt totally unsatisfied because it cuts out the the end bit of the book, which is so incredible. So that's not in the film, and I was waiting for it, thinking, how are they going to do this? But the film was two hours twenty four minutes long. It's long, yeah. and nonetheless, it is still a brilliant book. It's slightly ruined by a bit of weird Japanese sex stuff going on. I had no issue with that. I really liked it. I thought it was very sexy. Well, octopus stuff? Well, there's some octopus stuff. No? The, which bit? There was a bit like tentacle stuff, wasn't there? Can you go into more detail? I can't remember, but there's a weird thing about sort of tentacle porn thing and that was definitely in this film I found it very sensual well I'm going to get you an octopus <laughs> for Christmas Beth and you can um, I was into it uh, have, a, have a nice Christmas alright well that's my number six what is yours please the handmaiden double handmaiden yeah at number six double why did you like it I had exactly the same reaction to you. I was totally mesmerised by it from start to finish. Performances, it's so subtle and, well, it's subtle in some ways but quite extreme in others. That's quite good about it. It reminded me, I watched Remains of the Day recently and I really I really love all the um, understated, uh, yeah. repressed, repressed I tension. I like repression as well. I find that very sexy. Everyone loves repressed tension. Yeah, is that the word for it? unspoken. It is good. Yeah, no, I found it very erotic and really lush. Well, don't get too carried away, Sorry. Beth. Because we've got uh, five away. more films to do. Um, do you want to do your number five? God's Own Country. I've not seen it. Um, isn't it bumming? It's a little bit of bumming, but wrapped up in a beautiful love story. As all as all bumming is, I imagine. I mean, in the Bumming Man, which is a film I've not mentioned for a while, I definitely will put some romantic plot in it. Mm-hmm. But carry on. No, <laughs> I want to know more. You, you might not have heard viewers who are not viewers, listeners, 
I mean, viewers are definitely disappointed, but listeners who may not have heard it, Boeing Man is an ongoing film I've talked about, about a yet, well, he's yet to be written, about a, a guy called the Boeing Man, and that's about, the rest is conjecture, really, and it's going to be one of the greatest films ever when I get around to doing it, but I'm just thinking, getting ideas, if anything, Film Fandango is just the first step towards me making a Boeing Man research. Have you got a theme tune? No, I haven't. Why not send in your theme tune to Dear Fandango? I'll just send it in. Um, tell me more about God's Own Country, please. It's uh, set on a farm in Yorkshire. It's made by this first-time film director and it is a love story between a man who lives in Yorkshire but is really repressed about... Um, not about his homosexuality because that's totally out in the open and everybody knows about it but just about having emotions about caring for anyone or anything he just hates his life he works on a farm there's some incredible scenes where he's just like birthing lambs we've got we got here we've got here around my bum crack that sort of thing that's exactly right and you just it's kind of silent and looks beautiful and then he just meets this really kind of mysterious stranger who works on a farm they just slowly they both work on the farm yeah he comes over he's I think he's Romanian he's Eastern European and they just basically smooth out each other's edges and they May just I take the tea from you oh listen you would have you would have a bit of hay and but the, got the, and the, the, the hair on the bum crack buttock you have a little bit of hair on buttock let me get let this let shave it let me get it for Oh, did that happen? <laughs> I mean that. I mean that is probably not doing it a good service, really. Is it, it is really good. I would definitely recommend it if you like bumming, and I I know everyone who listens to this does. This is where people go to if you type in search terms like bumming. Film Fandango comes up number seventeen. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. Remember. I'll put in a keyword. That's yeah, what you do in po- a Google keyword. In podcasts, you have to put this weird metadata thing so searches comes up. So I'll put in like bumming. bumming and man. And I'll put bumming man in and I'll put like bumming in and hopefully this podcast, you can test this at home now by search. It, like bumming should come up. Bring this podcast to the fore. Um, okay, so that is your number five. My number five is my only documentary. Oh, cannot wait. Um, it's not really a documentary, it's of a cross. It is casting John Benet. <gasps> Fuck, yes. It's such a, a brilliant idea. You know, I didn't search Netflix like that. I'm an idiot. I love casting John Benet. It is, because I thought Jim and Andy could be in it. I thought, you know what, casting John Benet is possibly the most original. F- film I've seen this year it's I think it's on Netflix it's an hour and 20 minute documentary about the famous I had, I didn't know about the murder recently thanks to you telling me I've been listening to a brilliant podcast called My Favourite Murder which is two American comedians talking about murders yeah but it's light hearted and it's excellent I just love listening to people chat where they get on and they're really funny it is really if you think film Fandango is funny then my favourite murder is yeah. 7 to 10 times funnier than film Fandango 
Um, anyway, cost. Sorry, I've let you all down. No, 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 not this episode. Previous episodes. Um, the um, John Bonet was a, a beauty queen, a girl beauty queen, um, who was found kidnapped. Her parents phoned the police, and then she was found murdered in a secret room around the back of the wine cellar, or from around there. And there's been lots of conspiracy theories about if the mum did it, the dad did it, if the brother who was jealous did it, if there was some weird sort of sex thing going on with the beauty queen industry. And what's great about this film is they get, they cast actors to play all the parts and they get them to redo scenes and then ask them their opinions on it. So it's just, I hate to use it, it sounds really pretentious. There's so many layers to this this film. And it's about it's great to see different actors doing it, and sort of, and they're great actors. They're sort of amateur Some actors. Some of them are brilliant. Yeah, they're really difficult scenes. I, mean, I couldn't do that, and yeah. they're just never going to be filmed. They're amateur actors doing it, pretty but much. Their interpretation they? is so different, and also I loved when they talked about um, their what they felt about the scene. They would always bring it back to themselves. So everybody had an opinion on the murder. Everybody had a story about their own life. So something murky that had happened to them. It was just so... It was excellent. There's some remarkable stories from people. Great choice, Merrick. Well, that's my number five. Do you want me to do my number four? And it is totally original. And also really beautiful. Mm. It's a really beautiful documentary. Yeah, it's all hard. I like it when they split genres. A genre splitter. I've always thought of myself as a genre splitter. Did you ever see The Arbor? The Clio Bernard film? No. No, it was interesting. It's another good documentary. What was that? What happens in that? It's about a playwright and um, they go to where she lived, filmed outside her house, and they get people to lip sync to her recordings. And it's really discombobulating, but it's sort of magical. It's very good. The Arbor. Mm. A bit like Arbor, but you don't pronounce the H. Oh, the Arbor. We've got got some bits of A. I've got a bit of A in it, down the front of my but pants. It moving. I've got a bit of A stuck in, in an awkward place. Let me help you all with it. Um, okay, um, number four. Mine is called On Body and Soul. I've never bloody heard of it, mate. No. Hungarian film. Look, boring. Dracula. It's about a slightly autistic woman who goes to work in an abattoir and the owner or the manager of the abattoir they have this incredible again repressed sexual love for one another on body and soul on body and soul it's it seems like, it seems like a classic. foreign drama is my oh, favourite it's so good what, and so what happens they, uh, they bang in the abattoir they don't do any banging at first they have real trouble in real life but I don't know whether this kind of ruins it but just to entice you they meet in their dreams they are dear and they come to each other in dreams and they have the same dreams and they come to realize this and then they start connecting through their dreams and they meet each other as dear and then through the connection in their dreams they come to fulfill themselves in the real world that put me if anything that put me off oh no it's hungarian does that help? How did you find out about this film? I went to the BFI. And what do they what what do they have a top ten films of the year list like this? It did really well at Cannes. Does that help you? 
Yeah, it's probably. Thank you. These are quite good films I've not heard of. I think it was Cameron. Disaster Artist, God's Own Country, On Body and Soul. Look at Icarus. you writing everything down. Got it in my book. Um, Icarus, Icarus. Any, anything else you want to say about On Body and Soul? Just that everybody, it's it's much better than I just sold it to what, you. Is it a romance, a drama? It's a very offbeat love story. Everyone loves love stories. My number four is A Man Called Ove. Oh. It's based on a novel. I didn't realise that. And I just... It's the sort of film you can take your parents or grandparents to see. And I just think it's a nice, quite gentle... Everything about it is good. It's not really ground-breaking. Uh, um, it was released in 2015 originally, but it came out here this year. So it sort of took its a, t- a long time coming out. Um, I think it got nominated for Best... F- yeah, it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film of the Year this year. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. It's very good. Um, the lead is brilliant in it. Uh, it's just about an ill-tempered old man who uh, has given up on life. I mean, it sounds a bit like my autobiography. It's <laughs> probably why I liked it. These European films, though, you can't really describe them. There's not a lot to describe, but it's just the execution, isn't it? And it's the atmosphere and everything. It's quite uplifting. Right, OK. Yeah, something uplifting. Um, into top three. Ooh, ooh. Very exciting. Before that, I see my worst film of the year. You got a worst film? Yeah, but you're not going to like it. What is it? Baby Driver. Sorry. Why? I just thought it was a overextended, superficial advert with really rubbish women, and it was just emulating a lot of other stuff. And I totally agree with you about that kind of candy sugar hit that just left you with nothing. The start is a total rip-off of Drive. And no one mentioned that. It's a total... Yeah. It's exactly the same as Drive. Um, and it's got Kevin Spacey in it. Yeah, you've, you've probably literally... <laughs> Bumming it. Groping everyone. <laughs> everyone getting groped while they're trying to learn their lines. I mean, it's no laughing matter, but it may be oh god yeah sorry it, but um, also it, it maybe it's a little bit okay is it as bad as Mother though or The Circle they're <laughs> both so shit I think Mother is total Mother? shit but even that even The Circle is a, have you seen that I didn't see The Circle it's with there are no redeeming features it's enough to undo all the good that Tom Hanks has done in his whole career Ooh, awful Anyway, let's not be negative. Let's go back to our top three. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Really? Yeah, did you hate it? I thought it was really good. Oh, okay. I think... um, So can you tell us what that is about then? You sounded so surprised. I'm surprised it's in your top ten, but I did really love it. And I love Colin Farrell. is brilliant. It's about a... uh, a surgeon who has a unusual relationship with a young boy and you come to realise why they are connected and it's through something bad that Colin Farrell did to this boy a few years ago and the boy, and it's based on a Greek 
tragedy on a Greek oh Greek really because it Greek felt quite myth. mythical yeah yeah based on a Greek myth so killing of a sacred deer is about Iphigenia um yeah who, so who was Iphigenia so she's Agamemnon's daughter and Agamemnon's he, is he Zeus in the no Zeus is Zeus is a god Ag- Agamemnon's just a bloke who, who he's trying to wasn't he in the Iliad or something Agamemnon yeah yeah yeah, yes. yeah yeah he tries to sail to Troy but he can't get a following wind so he um, goes to kill his daughter and instead of killing her she turns into a deer and runs away but he's basically trying to kill his own family and so this young boy in this film puts a kind of curse on Colin Farrell and his family and it really twists the knife and it's, it's so unsettling it's, it, another characters are likeable yeah and all the performances are great especially Colin Farrell and the boy uh, yeah Colin, who the is boy a boy is from, wonderful who he's is an Irish in, guy isn't he Dunkirk he's in Dunkirk he's the sort of younger one of the three that go in the boat in Dunkirk I can't remember his name and I can't bother to look it up but he's very fucking very very um, got a good face hasn't he great face really good face I really I, would, I didn't review sort Killing of Sacred Jay for something else yeah but Killing of Sacred Jay is um, is it saying by the same guy did the lobster yeah it's got that similar sort of um, disjointed thing where it's trying to push the audience away. So it does that thing where it's constantly trying to remind you that you're watching a film. And I think it just really plays with the audience. Very and good. Colin Farrell, I always think of him as like, I'm not going to like him. Yet every time I watch him, I think, you're really good, Colin Farrell. Ah, he's really coming to his own. I think he's making some great choices. Yeah, people are finally giving him really... Not finally, but they are giving him really good parts. But he's he good. Never, he does, yeah, he doesn't disappoint. My number three is a film I found on Netflix as a crime mystery thriller. No one's ever talked about this Some film. bloody foreign it's rubbish. It's called The Invisible Guest. Oh. It is uh, old style. It's basically um, a guy, a Spanish, and this um, bloke is about to go to court for this murder and accused of murder and his lawyer is interviewing him about what happened and he goes back through past events it is a bit like Dublin it's lots of double indemnity old fashioned Hitch, it's a Hitchcock thriller so great it's got 8.1 on RMDB which is really really high mm. and uh, never really never really got mentioned in any circles but I watched it by one of those films you watch by complete surprise it's brilliant if you want to watch a film, a plot-driven film, The Invisible Guest. Tick. Tick. Yes, please. Number two. Yes. Moonlight. Really? Yes. I love my gay love stories. This is number two. The best bumming film of the year? The second best bumming film of the year. Okay. If that gives you a hint about what my number okay. one is. Okay. I... Oh, that one. I've not even seen that one. Oh. Um, so, why did you like Moonlight? It is very good. I saw it a long time ago now. I know it was January... No, February of this year. But I just... Oh, man. I just wanted to get sucked into it and never leave. <laughs> Sorry. I bit. think it's... I really enjoyed it, but it sort of faded out. Maybe because it's not in my top ten. Because possibly... The time I saw it such a long time ago, yeah, but I did really like it. It was, and also because it was in the Oscars last year, it really feels like it was 2016. So I almost didn't think it was eligible, but I, I think it's one of my favourite films. It's I, I need to. Watch How many it. times have you watched it? Once. 
That's the true test, isn't that it? It's a second. Do you think I don't confident? know. I think it's a true... I was talking about remains of the day. I watched that again. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, this but really stands up. in terms of impact, I think in terms of how you felt and how it made you feel... I thought it was good, but I thought it wasn't the romance. For me, the best ever romance is Blue is the Warmest Colour. I literally loved that film. Apart from the lesbian scene, which is gratuitous. <laughs> um, okay. Right. I'll go to my number two. Very close call between number two and number one. Ooh. Number two, Paddington 2. Yay. It's so brilliant. It's brilliant, yeah. I talked about it, with, and I watched it with a really cynical mind. And the detail, all the, the amount of jokes, the amount of effort got in, gone into it, and the way it looks. The fact everyone could watch it, a successful family film, I could say anyone... Go and watch Paddington 2 and you'll feel happier when you go out and feel excited about um, life. Hugh Grant, you are a genius. He's so underrated. I don't know if he would ever get the the, the plaudits he deserved because he was just so associated with the whole um, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral thing. He's miraculous. I think he's... Uh, so in this film, he really shows his talents as a, a brilliant uh, comic actor and I hope he gets given some really juicy roles now not just I'd like to see him do something really serious he's self-aware in that way that Emma Stone it doesn't quite work with but he absolutely he's constantly taking the piss out of himself yeah he's so charming very talented very Hugh good. Grant um, I love you Hugh Grant tick and here we are. It's and it is a brilliant film. I just want to second that. It didn't make your film. top ten. It didn't because I knew you were going to pick it, you see. Watch, do you want to do your number one? Yeah, it's Call Me By Your Name. Which is the film about the uh, the lecturer who gets off with a young boy. That's right. What happened? Well, I mean, I didn't go and it see this because... It the, the, the like tingles just to think about it. Really? I absolutely loved it. I mean, it stayed with me, like physically stayed with me for a good hour afterwards where I just had this smile on my face and this feeling all over my body. It was just incredible. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Normally I walk out of the cinema and be like, oh, I'll put on a podcast. I was just like, no, I just need to, just need to stay with that film. It was so amazing. It's just this beautiful love story. It's, it's just lush and heartbreaking there's some incredible performances in it which will definitely definitely go to the Oscars and I think this will be Oscar nominated for best film as well and best direction hopefully um, and it's just a world that you just never want to leave and the heart the the love story is so delicate and ephemeral and you feel like they might just lose it but they keep it's so fragile between them because they just discovering each other and discovering themselves because they're at that age and it it just breaks your heart and I think for anyone who um has maybe experienced anything like that it just it just totally connects with you I didn't I, I, I was I really can't by the trailer call me by your name gotta stop watching these trailers Merrick you I want to stop watching there's there's five films in your top ten that I haven't seen I'm sorry, because I hate it when people do that because it just makes you feel like... You... No, it's just great news. It means <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to watch all these. Um, I'll be interested to see what you think. I'm looking forward to it. My number one is a film 
I watched at the start of last year, which wasn't that many for Oscars, A Monster Calls. Have you seen that? Yeah. I found it so moving. It really hit a nerve with me, and I was bawling all the way through. Mm. Um, I just thought it was brilliantly done. And great performances, and that got ignored as well. It was a close... I think it was probably tied between Paddington 2 and Monster Calls. You have such a good streak, don't you? Of what? Well, your films, they're all uplifting and, and big hearts. Monster Calls isn't uplifting. I think it is very... Well, no, it is actually. It's great. I, I, um, and the book's brilliant as well, by mm. Patrick Ness. It's a really brilliant book. They're doing it on stage soon. Are they? Yeah, old Vic. I, I just thought it was very, very classy adaptation. And I'm a big reader, and I... And seldom impressed by adaptations, and yeah. that was one I thought was excellent. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening to our our top tens. I hope that that may have inspired you to go and seek some of these out and watch some great films. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Merrick. It was enlightening. What are you looking forward to next year? Ooh, well. I mean, there's still a few films to come out this well, year. Well, we must say we've pre-recorded a couple of weeks beforehand because everyone's going away. So this does not include the Star Wars film, which a lot of people are raving about. Or the Churchill film by Joe Wright. Or The Greatest Showman, which, let's assume, isn't shit. Barnum was the very first show I saw when I was five years old. I wow. came to the West End and I saw Michael Crawford in Barnum. Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford is the most underrated person <laughs> in... Uh, do you know the very first film I saw? Go on. Condor Man. First film in the cinema. Oh. And Barnum, I thought all... The first two Western shows I saw were... I never... Literally, saw, I saw two when I was young. Barnum and Starlight Express. Both brilliant. Oh, yeah. Starlight Express is great. Um, I just saw Barnum at the theatre. It's supposed to be it's awful. Back. It, it's quite bad. But Michael Crawford came in on a a zip line <clears throat> and he do tightrope walking somersault juggling phenomenal he was amazing physically wasn't he as we know and from some, and from some of jumping, but on stage he was I remember thinking this is the most incredible man ever and I spoke to Danny sorry this is a bit name droppy I was doing a thing with Danny John Jules who plays the cat from Red Dwarf this is I shouldn't I don't know and he said um, I said I saw Barnum was brilliant he said yeah Michael Crawford was really depressed all the way through because he just split up with his love his life had run off with someone else so he was just heartbroken all the way through and I thought Aww. wow because I didn't see that you know you're having an amazing yeah. West End run and yet in your life it's heartbroken maybe really sad mm. and on that is the perfect note Happy New Year this is the depression you will feel at the beginning of January thank you very much listeners for listening to the podcast and writing in I really appreciate it I, I genuinely do appreciate it that's me being sincere. That's the end of it. I hope you have had a great Christmas. And 2018 is a really super time for you and for films. And remember, if there's one thing you do this year, keep, keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.